Hi, I'm Edward Sri, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. Do you have an area in your spiritual life where you really want God to come in and intervene, to come in and help you and bring about some change? Maybe it's something at work or at home or in a relationship, or maybe it's your own personal and spiritual life, maybe a certain weakness you're struggling with, maybe you struggle with anxiety or you're struggling with a certain sin. Well, if you want God to act in a powerful way in your life, there's one important spiritual principle that that we want to bring into our lives, and that is the power of surrender. I want to talk about surrender today. The one thing we can always do, no matter what's happening in our lives, no matter what's going on in our own spiritual lives, the one thing we can always give to God is surrender. And it invites God to come in when we do that and act in a powerful way. And we're going to learn from a great saint who wrote a lot about surrender. And it's a saint that the church celebrates this week in her great feast day, the great doctor of the church, St. Therese of Lisieux. So that's what we're going to look at in today's podcast. So welcome back to the All Things Catholic podcast. I'm Edward Sri, and so glad to have you here. I want to remind you, if you haven't done so already, go check out the show notes that you can get now in, in the program. So we just started these a few weeks ago and working in a partnership with Ascension Press. You can go to ascensionpress.com slash allthingscatholic for free show notes there, and you can subscribe to get them into your inbox each week as well. Again, those are for free at ascensionpress.com slash allthingscatholic. But another thing I like to do on the show also is occasionally take questions from the listeners. So I want to encourage you, if you have any questions, you can reach me directly at info.edwardsri at gmail.com. That's info.edwardsri at gmail.com. And I got a question this last week I want to share with everyone here. Uh, this one came in. Hello, Dr. Sri. I had a question for you I was hoping you could address when it comes to sleeping in the same bed while in a Christ-centered dating relationship. My boyfriend and I are both Catholic, but are having a disagreement over sleeping in the same bed together. One of us believes that the near temptation of sleeping together is a sin, while the other argues it's simply sleeping together, the same as taking a nap on a couch. Since we're both Catholic, neither of us have the intention of having sex before we're married, but the issue continues to arise. We're both starting to read your book, Men, Women, and the Mystery of Love. So how would you suggest framing this conversation within the context of your book? Well, thank you for the question, but I, I particularly want to thank you, this this listener here, for, for your desire to live a Christ-centered relationship, to live a chaste relationship. That's awesome. I just want to really thank you and encourage you for that. I also want to thank you for your humility, just taking the time to reach out and get advice on a very important matter like this, to seek counsel. That's another wonderful thing. So thank you for that. And it sounds like God has given you a great gift. He, he's given you a relationship where you're both centered on Jesus, your faith's important to you, and you you want to live a chaste relationship. That's, that's wonderful. So treasure that gift and protect it. That That's my advice to you. Do all you can to protect the gift that God has given you in this relationship. And here, here's the situation that I think it's true that it is a near occasion of sin. Uh, when, when, when you're sleeping in the same bed together, uh, you know, one thing can very easily lead to another, you know, you're, you're holding hands, you could cuddle, you could kiss, and that leads to other things. And, uh, and especially when the relationship becomes physical like that, that, that can cause a lot of problems. And I, I'm not even talking about just sex itself, you know, but I'm talking about even the physical things that lead up to sex. Even those things are, are problematic. Uh, the church would consider that to be sinful as well. And here's why, because all of a sudden the, those 
the, the physical aspect begins to take over and you're not, you're not married yet. There's not that commitment yet. Those are things that are meant to lead up to the marital act. Um, but, but I've had many young couples over the years, 20 years of working with young, young college students and young adults. Many of them have been honest. They said, you know, yeah, you know, we, we, we first started dating. We had a great Christ centered relationship. We, we, you know, really grew in friendship together, got to know each other, growing in virtue together. But then we started to stumble a little bit and the relationship started becoming physical. We weren't having sex, but it just started becoming more physical. And, and that just started taking over. And, and it just started being, that's where we went to, to kind of get a sense of closeness and intimacy together. And we weren't talking as much. We weren't growing in conversation as much. And the relationship, the physical stuff became more central. Uh, and also I would say there've been many couples, many good Christ centered relationships where they did not want to have sex and they fell and eventually did. Uh, and that, and that's happened. And so what you want to do is realize you have a great gift in this relationship, really treasure it, really protect it, do all you can to not put yourself in situations where one thing could very easily lead to another. So if you're really looking out and protecting something you value, you don't just kind of leave it out and, and expose it to great risk. Uh, and that's what you want to do here. If you value the relationship, really avoid sleeping in the same bed together. Uh, thank you again for that wonderful question. And if anyone has any questions, you can reach me again at info.edwards3 at gmail.com. That's info.edwardsri at gmail.com. But let's turn back to our great saint for today, the great Saint Therese of Lisieux. And I've got to tell you, uh, my impressions of Saint Therese growing up weren't really good ones. <laughs> you know, I, I looked at Saint Therese having grown up in Catholic schools and Catholic uh, churches, and you'd see these statues and these paintings of her, and I, I kind of got the impression she was the chintzy saint. <laughs> the chintzy saint. You know, you'd see this kind of sappy religious art depictions of her with rosy cheeks and rosy lips, and she's always got this funny smile, and she's holding flowers and that just wasn't very appealing to me. And, and then as I grew older and went away to college and entered my young adult years, you know, I'd hear about Therese and she was known as the little flower. And she talked about uh, not trying to be a rose, but being like the little wildflowers in the fields. And she had a little way. And I'm just, all this talk about flowers just really just didn't appeal to my manhood, I guess, you know, as a guy, you know. Uh, and, and then I'd hear that people would pray and they'd get a white rose and they'd know what to do with their life. Oh, I got a red rose and that means this. And again, I was always just kind of like, eh, I'm sure it's all really good, but it just doesn't speak to me. You know, as a guy, I was more impressed by, you know, great saints like Ignatius of Loyola. You know, he was a soldier and got wounded on the battlefield. He took that soldier imagery and applied it to the spiritual life. And he talked about, you know, the battle, spiritual battle and fighting and conquering sin, rooting out weakness in your life. You know, yeah, that, that, that appealed to me. And I think maybe that that's kind of maybe my own temperament too. Um, uh, I can be competitive and I, I like to achieve. I like to succeed. And, you know, even like when I coach my kids soccer team, it's just little rec soccer. And, um, and I, I'm not one of those crazy dads, you know, that's out there on the soccer field, but, and I know it's all about fun. Uh, but in the end, I know that it's more fun when the kids win. So I want to try to give them the best chance to win every time. So when I would coach them all those years, I, We'd spend a lot of time with the strategy and thinking about who plays which position and how we do the subs and the rotations and maximize our strengths, minimize our weaknesses, all about like how we can set up the best chance for victory. And same thing on my Rome pilgrimage. If you come on a Rome pilgrimage,
pilgrimage with me, you'll get the great adventure of trying to get to the front row seats. You know, I've been doing this for 20 years and I got this big strategy with positions and plays and routes and, and we've got 20 year history. Every, every year we've succeeded and win and get to the front row victory. I, you know, so, uh, when it comes to the spiritual life though, I think a, a guy like me, I really need a saint like Therese of Lisieux. It's really good for me. And, and I think it's good for all of us. Um, you know, I think many people have a approach to the spiritual life that could be kind of like a Nike approach. You know, remember that old Nike slogan, just do it. And we can think that that's what the spiritual life is all about. You know, I, I just got to get more willpower. I just got to, I just got to come up with a plan and just act on that plan. I just got to do it, you know? So if, I, if I'm worried about raising children and I got a growing family life and managing a household, so I got to come up with a plan. We're going to come up with the order, you know, the rules and, you know, and here's the, here's the plan. And that's just going to kind of solve all my problems, you know, and, and we're going to have a really great family life if I just have a plan and act on it, just do it, you know, or if I, I, I want to grow in virtue. So what I do, I develop a plan and I'm going to grow in one virtue a week, you know, so that in 12 weeks, I'm going to gain 12 new virtues. I got my plan, you know, uh, experience in reality tells us that that never works, right? The Nike approach to spirituality just doesn't work because we're always going to run up against our own weakness. We're always going to run up against our own sinfulness, our own shortcomings, our, our own original sin. Uh, and, and, and when we face our imperfections and we just stare at them, we, we, we can't run away from them. It's just clear I have these weaknesses. I don't have it all together. Uh, it's, it's not all nice and neat in my spiritual life or in my home or in my marriage. Right? When, I, when I experience that, what do I do? You know, for some people, they can get really discouraged. I can't tell you how many young couples I've met, you know, they get in their marriage and then in a few months or a few weeks or a few years in their marriage, there's struggles. There's, this is a lot harder than I ever thought and they can easily get discouraged. But it's especially true in the spiritual life. You know, when we realize that like we, we have these weaknesses and I keep struggling with this sin, or I, I said that thing again, I shouldn't have said it that way to my spouse, or I shouldn't have responded this way to my child. When, when these things happen and they always happen, we can easily get discouraged. We can get frustrated. We can say, oh, why did I do that? Oh, why, I, 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 why am I not better? You know, I can't believe I did that again. But I want you to, to hear that when, when we're discouraged and we're we're, we're frustrated with ourselves and our weaknesses and sins. That's not real humility. It, it's really a form of spiritual pride when we do that. You know, think about what, who are we focused on? Are we really focused on Jesus when we're all discouraged and frustrated with ourselves? No, we're focused on me. Like, think about that. That's what we're saying. I can't believe I did that. You know, so that, that that's, I, I, in other words, I can't believe I should be so much better. You know, I have this ideal image of myself and I should just be so much better. And I can't believe I'm struggling with this. I should be a better Christian. I work really hard to try to be a good Christian. And I, I can't believe I'm, I'm struggling here. Uh, I, I'm a great Catholic. I should have a better marriage. I should be, uh, I should be better in my prayer life. You know, these are all things that we, we can run up against. But when we get discouraged, we get frustrated with ourselves. That's where the devil wants us because we're not focused on Jesus in those moments. We're focused on me and I'm staring at me. I'm staring at my weakness, staring at my inability. And I'm just going to keep trying to rely on myself to change. And the devil's just laughing when we do that. No, if we want to experience real change in our lives, if we want to experience real progress, real growth in holiness, then we need to surrender. We need to surrender. That's what our saint this week, St. Therese of Lisieux, 
who we celebrate this week in the Catholic Church. This saint tells us that. That's what real sanctity is. She wrote a letter once and she said, real sanctity consists in bearing with one's imperfections patiently. Do you bear with your imperfections patiently? Do you surrender to them? You see, here's the deal. This is the one thing we can always offer God. I might not be able to offer God a really clean and orderly house. I might not be able to offer God uh, all my kids behave really well. And Beth and I have the most amazing marriage. I'm not able to offer that. You know, it's very messy in our house. It's messy in our family life. It's messy in our marriage. I might not be able to offer God this beautiful prayer. Oh, I just went and spent a holy hour and just gave God this amazing contemplation and I was levitating. You know, many times my prayer life is very messy. (laughs) I'm distracted and it's not really going well or I can't give God all these great virtues and amazing deeds of charity. And, And, you know, I do good things, but I also can be mean sometimes. I could be selfish. I could be proud. I could not be thoughtful and thinking of others as much, right? So I, I, my, my moral life is, is, is messy. So it's just kind of like a big mess. And so I can't really give God a beautiful gift all the time. And most of the time I can't give God a beautiful gift, but the one beautiful gift I can always give him, no matter how messy my life is, I can give God my surrender. I surrender to you, Lord. I wish, I wish I, I had it, the, the family life managed better. I, I wish that uh, you know, our, our marriage was better. I wish that my prayer life was better. I wish I didn't struggle with this sin. I wish I, you know, it was more generous and, and served these other people better. I wish I wasn't so selfish. I, I can, I can, I could say, I wish all these things, but yet I, I acknowledge Lord, that's not where I'm at. This is who I am right now. And this is the best I can give you. And until you give me your grace and, and, you know, and I, I surrender that you'll give it to me in your time and in your, your, your way. And, and, and you'll bring about the change that you want, but I, I surrender and accept where I am right now. I'm going to keep trying and I keep praying and I'm going to really make a good effort. That's what Therese would do. But in the end, the foundation of Therese's spirituality was this fundamental act of acknowledging how little she was, how small she was, how weak she was. And she surrendered to that. Lord, this is all I am. It's messy inside. And when we acknowledge that and we surrender to it, That's when God can begin to act. And that is where the great victory is. The victory is found, not in the Nike approach to spirituality. When I have my plan and I'm going to root out the sin and I'm going to make this better, because that doesn't work. The great victory, the true victory is won not by us, mere human beings, fallen human beings. No, it's won by Jesus, the eternal son of God and his victory over sin, over death and over the devil. Do you want that victory in your life? Or are you going to keep relying on yourself and try to make your own moral and spiritual victories all by yourself? No, no, let's let God act. He conquered sin. He conquered death. He conquered the devil. And he wants to bring his life and his power and his grace into our lives. How can we do that? Well, the first step, Therese would say, is if you want to experience amazing transformation in your life. If you want to experience graces changing you and then radiating outward and touching other souls around you, the first step is surrender. To surrender to, this is where you are right now in humility. You know, it it reminds me of something else St. Therese said. She wrote many letters. Uh, In fact, I'm in my, uh, my, 
library right now where I've got all my spiritual theology books right behind me. And I have a whole shelf with many, many books about Therese or from Therese herself. I have two huge volumes uh, that's out there. You can get these. Uh, and they're her letters, the writings of St. Therese. And she wrote hundreds of letters. And I'm going to quote from one of them. So if you want a reference point, again, we'll, we could put this in the show notes, but it's letter 243. Uh, and in this letter, she says, when God sees us trying to do something great, he leaves us all alone. So I'm kind of paraphrasing the, the substance of it. But she's basically saying, when God sees us trying to do something great all on our own, like the Nike approach to spirituality, I'm going to conquer the sin. I'm going to make my marriage and family life awesome. And I'm going to make my parish ministry awesome. And it, but, but he sees us kind of like relying on ourselves. He leaves us alone. You ever see people, you know, maybe you've done this before. You, you kind of know, oh, yeah, I know I need God's help. So I'll say a little prayer. But really, I'm just thinking about my plan. I'm thinking about how do I get better. But in the end, it's, it's only souls that are convinced of their littleness, Therese says. When he sees we're convinced of our littleness, that's when God extends his hand to help us. You know, I think about my, my kids as a father, you know, like sometimes I see some of my kids like trying to get their shoes on and they don't know how when they're really small and they come to me almost in tears, daddy, I can't get my shoes on. And when that happens, my heart just melts. I'm like, oh, let me help you. I'm going to help put your shoes on. Then there's other children that are certain moments like little Eleanor right now. She can be Miss Independent little three-year-old. <laughs> and little Eleanor sometimes like she's trying to put her shoe on. I want to help her. She's like, no, I do it self. No, no, I do it. And she doesn't want my help. And it's like, okay, good luck with that. <laughs> I think that's how our Heavenly Father is with us. When we try to live our lives, live our family lives, live our friendships, our dating relationships, we try to live our our spiritual lives as Catholics. You know, if if we're just kind of just living day to day and not really realizing how dependent we are on God, God leaves us all on our own. But it's only when we're really convinced of our nothingness, Therese says when we're convinced of how small we are, we're, we're convinced of how desperately we need God. It, when we do that, when we surrender, we realize, God, I need you. I need your help. And I'm not just saying it like one moment in the chapel or one moment before I go to bed. It's like throughout my day, I just recognize I need you. When God sees us have that habit of surrender, he, he, he can't help but come down, Therese says. He just sees us in our little, he just wants to come and bring his saving hand to help us. It's like, even again, another example as, as a dad, like when I hear uh, like this big tumbling on the steps, boom, 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 boom. And then all of a sudden a big thud on the floor. And then I hear a child just crying out in terror in a big shriek and a scream. I drop everything and my heart goes out to that child who just fell down the steps and I just want to hold them and help them and see, are they okay? And that's how our heavenly father looks at us when he sees that we really need him. You know, Lord, I, I got this situation going on in my life and I, I just don't know what to do. Jesus, I beg you. I, I just surrender this to you. I don't know what to do. I don't know how it's going to work out. I just surrender this to you. When he sees that, he, he can't resist. He just comes down. And he wants to help like a father wanting to come down and help his hurt little wounded child who just fell down the steps. When he sees us, when we fall into sin and we keep falling and falling and falling and we're just desperate, Jesus, I messed up here. I can't do this. I beg you, help me. Change me. When he sees us crying out like that, he can't help but come in. This is the, the, the real victory of the spiritual life. This is the irony. The real victory doesn't come with the Nike approach and my plan and my effort and my self-will. I just got to get more willpower. No, the, the real victory in the spiritual life is, is paradoxically surrender. <laughs> it's when I just surrender, Lord, I, I fell again. I, I need you, Lord. I need your help. Help me. 
This is the one thing we can always do no matter what's going on in our lives. Remember this, the one little space that God gives us. You know, I don't care what's happening. Let's say you could be thrown into prison. You could be at a prison in Siberia and yet you still have free will. You may not have any control over 99.9% of the things in your life, and yet God still gives you free will. And you can do something with that. You can resist what's happening to you, get angry and bitter or discouraged and depressed. There's all these different responses, but there's one response you can always give, and that's all say, Lord, I don't like this. I wish it wasn't happening, but I surrender to your will. I surrender to this. And it doesn't have to be a prison in Siberia. It could be a prison of, you know, your own repeated sin. Maybe you've got something you're addicted to. Maybe you just have this, you feel like you're enslaved or a certain sin. You just can't overcome the sin, whatever that is. You might not be able to, you just say, I can't change. Lord, I, I have tried. I, and I, I just feel like I can't change. But the one thing I can give you, I surrender to this, that the, I just surrender to the fact that this is where I am right now. And I trust that you can, you're the only one that can change me. And then you're inviting Jesus's victory into your life when you do that. Or Lord, I've got this problem, this situation I'm facing in life. I feel like I can't, I've tried everything I can. I can't change it. I can't, I keep trying to make it better. I don't know how to, how to make this work. And I can just surrender when I surrender to the Lord, say, Lord, I, I I see that I, I, I can't, I don't think there's anything more I can do. I don't know what else I could do. I surrender to this. I ask for your grace, your guidance to, you can change the situation. You can change what's going on inside me. So this is the key here. So in closing, I want to give you two things, practical things to do. One is there's one little habit you can bring into your life to start developing a pattern, a habit of surrender. So one little devotion in the Catholic tradition, it's known as the morning offering. I want to tell you about that. Beautiful prayer. Uh, it, it's simply just giving your day to God. First thing you do when you wake up in the morning, fall on your knees and give your day to God. Say, Jesus, I give you this day. It's a wonderful thing to do. Now, there's a formal prayer. You can pray. We pray it in our home. Oh, Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day. So go online. You can find it. We'll put one of these in the, in the show notes. There's many examples of a morning offering prayer. It's, a, it's the act of giving God your day, surrendering all the, your life to him. It's a wonderful thing to do that. The second thing is the next time you face uh, a certain trial, a certain obstacle, a difficulty in your life, or a certain sorrow in your life, or maybe you or experience, or when you experience that struggle with sin and you fall, or a certain weakness in a relationship, whatever that is, when you experience that next moment of where you fall, you feel like you just fell down the steps, if you will, spiritually, that don't waste that time. Don't waste that opportunity. God's actually, you can use that, even, even that fall, even your weakness, you can use it for good if you surrender. You could choose to beat yourself up. You could choose to get discouraged. You could choose to ignore your sin, or you can surrender. Say, God, I give this to you. And when we do that, amazing things can happen. The victory of Jesus comes profoundly in our lives. So my friends, if you have any questions, again, you can reach out to me at info.edwards3 at gmail.com. That's info.edwards3 at gmail.com. Again, don't forget those show notes. You can find those at ascensionpress.com slash allthingscatholic. Again, that's ascensionpress.com, allthingscatholic. I hope you enjoy this show. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please write a review and tell others about it. I look forward to being with you next week. God bless.